Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from our massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. As we hit record on this episode, we are halfway through February. Here in the States, we just had the Super Bowl, and uh, Taylor's boyfriend won. And in my opinion, at least, the commercials were pretty good this year. So no show announcements this week. We're going to jump right in. We have a great interview with the folks over at Kong today. And our topic is APIs and the concept and introduction of AI gateways. This is our first time speaking with Kong, and it was great to get Marco on the show. They've been on our list for a while, and we're glad we could make this happen. So with that out of the way, let's jump right in right after this break. Are you looking to stay ahead of the curve in the latest trends in enterprise tech? Look no further than the Breaking Analysis podcast with Dave Vellante. This data-driven program dives into the most important topics facing the enterprise tech industry today. With a data-first approach that leverages ETR's renowned surveys of IT decision makers and insight from the Cube community, Breaking Analysis delivers in-depth research on the most important topics facing technologists and IT buyers. Whether you're a business leader, an IT professional, investor, or just an avid follower of the industry, this podcast is a must-listen. Just search Breaking Analysis Podcast wherever you get your podcast and tune in today to stay ahead of the game in enterprise tech. And we're back. And Aaron, uh, you know, as, as much as we have tried to uh, hit on a lot of other topics, the, the topic of AI continues to be front and center. It continues to be, uh, you know, top of mind for everybody. So really excited today to dig into another aspect of this that we've really never totally dug into. You and I have, have talked about APIs before. We've obviously talked about APIs and API gateways and, and ecosystems, but the sort of intersection of, of AI and APIs, um, I feel like is is new and it feels like there's some there's some really new patterns emerging here. Yeah. And I'd also add too, I mean, it just seems like, I mean, this will probably end up being a trend. Uh, you know, we've, we've talked about a lot of topics uh, on a regular basis uh, over the years and, and AI, of course, being one of them. But um, and APIs, and then how do you get a- a- AI into APIs? And so there's always a little bit of like, how are we going to move this industry forward? And, and that's really our topic today. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we thought if we're going to talk about APIs, we may as well talk to the folks who are really uh, sort of shaping the market in terms of API marketplaces, API access, API security. So really excited to have uh, Marco Palandino, who is CTO and co-founder of Kong joining us. Marco, welcome to the show. Great to have you on. Oh, thanks to be here. Uh, and thanks for having me here. Yeah. Um, so before we dive into this discussion, um, give folks a little bit about your background, because you've been in this space for for quite a while. Um, you've been doing some really interesting things at Kong for quite a while. But give folks just a little bit of your background and then maybe what your your focus is these days at Kong. Yeah, so we I've been uh, involved in the API industry for almost 15 years. Um, Kong is a provider of modern API infrastructure. So we provide modern API management, uh, service mesh, ingress controllers, API productivity, you know, the full life cycle of API, API management as you know it. But before Kong, I started another business called MeshShape, which was an API marketplace, probably the first API marketplace in the world that, um, you know, really came out in the early 2010s when people were asking us, what is an API? And, And now it's pretty clear that APIs are the underlying fabric of our digital world. And so with MashShape, we built an API marketplace, and then we built 
technology for ourselves. The marketplace went anywhere, but the technology became Kong, and this is how Kong came to life. And so let me ask you a little bit uh, about Kong itself then. And of course, let's start to dig into um, AI and, and AI models and, and how they fit into APIs. Uh, but so w- with Kong, um, Kong has certainly been in the API space. It's been in the API gateway space. But give everyone kind of a, a quick refresher of maybe the, the state of the API industry if you will, prior to this year? And then how does AI kind of move that forward from there? APIs are being driven by digital use cases, right? The more digital use cases we have and the more APIs we are going to have. You know, when we look at every business today, the interface to that business is powered by an API, whether it's a mobile application, whether it's websites, whether it's it's AI, at the end of the day, there is going to be an API that powers that underlying experience. And so when it comes, you know, if you take a step back and we look at the API journey in the world, APIs as we know them really became popular when mobile became a trend. You know, Steve Jobs goes on stage, releases the iPhone, and everybody's now scrambling to build mobile applications that connect to our backend systems. And so everybody needs an API to be able to connect those mobile applications, those mobile experiences with our backend systems, which at the time used to be quite monolithic. And then with the transition to microservices, uh, with the invention of Docker in 2013, with the creation of Kubernetes in 2014, what we're seeing is the microservices transformation that also generates a lot of APIs. You know, back in the days with our monolithic systems, APIs were nice to have, were an afterthought, but with microservices, APIs are there since day one. Everything has an API since day one. It's not an afterthought anymore. And so what we're seeing is an explosion of APIs that powers our internal systems and edge systems like mobile applications or ecosystem of developers or an ecosystem of partners, everyone that wants to become a platform, eventually has to provide an API. And so we're really seeing an, uh, an incredible adoption of APIs in the world. Kong was born in the microservices transformation. So we were able to capture this wave of APIs that were born for both internal and external traffic. But then if we keep looking at APIs as a trend, you know, what other digital use cases are driving the adoption of API? Well, For example, uh, we have been seeing lots of uh, service mesh adoption, where basically anything that can make or receive a request over the network is a service, and a service has an API. And then we've been seeing AI as just the latest trend that will incentivize the consumption of APIs, because the way we use AI, turns out it is with an API. And the way we train AI can be through an API. And the way AI interacts with the real world it is also through an API. And so the more AI, the more API, in a way. Um, and it, this is just one of the last trends that increases what essentially, like I said, it's the underlying fabric of our digital world. APIs everywhere. Yeah, no, it makes it makes a ton of sense. So um, you've obviously lived through uh, some of the, the API marketplaces over the years. You've You've helped build them. You've seen them evolved in terms of you know how they're how they're presented to the world, how people are able to consume them, figure out how to differentiate them. Uh, we're now starting to see a whole bunch of of API marketplaces, um, you know, model marketplaces or sort of API marketplaces. What 
how do you how do you look at those as somebody who's who's lived in this space for a while? You know, are they are they making similar mistakes that that were made in the past? Have they have they figure out better ways to consume them? You know, what are the the sort of lessons and you know things that have gotten better over time in, in those two parallels? When when APIs were first invented, and, and by the way, the APIs APIs have always been there in one shape or another. So when we talk about APIs today. We're really talking about the last generation of APIs, you know, the RESTful APIs, gRPC, GraphQL APIs, and so on. But APIs as an idea has been around for a very long time. Think of SOA, right? And web services and SOAP, you know, that uh, idea of having systems interconnected with each other, it is something that has been around for a very long time, but was never successful with those technologies because those technologies were very hard to use and there was no ecosystem incentivizing the usage of those technology. But with RESTful APIs and, you know, this new trend of APIs that we're seeing today, they are developer-driven. Therefore, there is an ecosystem of technology that drives the adoption and the success of APIs in the world. So these last generation of APIs really were born as a developer solution to a very specific business problem. Developers were building and still are building APIs to cater to specific use cases that are popping up on their desks every day. We need to build this new feature. We need to integrate with this partner. We need to, you know, cater to these. Uh, we need to enter a new market, and we need a new API that's specific for these use cases. And so, developers are building APIs left and right, which over time can create a problem for the organization because there is going to be too many APIs around. And some of these APIs introduce duplication among each other. So basically, you have one API or more APIs that essentially do all the same thing, and it becomes very hard to manage and maintain at scale. And this is really how APIs started to be built as a developer solution to a business problem. But over time, we are seeing more mature organizations that are thinking of APIs as products themselves. When we build an application, whether it's mobile or online or a website or somewhere, we think of an application as its own product that has its own product lifecycle, its own versions. Some versions will come out that are newer. Some others will be decommissioned. Uh, We want to migrate customers from one to another. So there is a product lifecycle around any application that we build. And it turns out that APIs are products like the other products that we build. And so organizations that are more mature in their API lifecycle are thinking of APIs as products and are trying to establish an, a product lifecycle, but for APIs. And so they're instead of creating new APIs whenever a new requirement comes out or whenever a new use case is being requested by the business, they are curating the same APIs in such a way that they can capture these requirements and then create a new version of these APIs in a way that doesn't create too much duplication across the board, in a way that it essentially creates a curated curated set of APIs that the business provides. And these are the most mature companies around the APIs. Now, arguably, you know, I work with many organizations out there. Some of them are more mature, some of them are less mature, but I would say that the ones that are you know, the most mature, you can probably, you know, it's the minority of organizations. You know, the majority of organizations 
are still trying to wrap their head around how to enforce a product lifecycle for APIs. And it turns out it's a very hard problem, especially when you have thousands or hundreds of, of engineers in different product lines. It becomes a very hard problem at scale. Well, that's fantastic, Marco. Thank you. And <clears throat> let's also add AI into that as well. So you've recently talked about this concept of an AI gateway um, and somewhat as an evolution of an API gateway. And so walk us through this, this new concept, please. Yes, uh, I'll be happy to. You know, we said earlier that digital use cases are incentivizing the adoption of AI. As a matter of fact, by the way, 85% of the internet is um, uh, APIs. It is not websites anymore. APIs is the new internet. We didn't even notice, notice that in our you know, ecosystem, in our journey, that slowly all the websites, all the traditional internet as we knew it, uh, emails and websites were replaced by APIs. When we look at the internet today, the internet is APIs. And AI happens to be another digital use case that is driven by APIs at the core. Whenever we want to integrate AI into our applications, we have to make API calls. And sometimes AI itself can make API calls to interact with the real world. Like in most advanced use cases, when we ask AI to actually perform an operation or to fetch data from somewhere, AI will have to make a request using APIs to be able to capture that information. And so AI happens to be driven by APIs at the core. I mean, there is no adoption of AI that doesn't increase adoption of APIs. It's just how it is. And so, of course, I myself and Kong, the organization I founded, you know, we're deeply involved into APIs. And so we are looking at organizations that we work with wanting to use AI and um, coming to us to basically ask us if you provide a solution to better implement AI in the organization. And so if we open up what they really want, if we open up the kind of worms, you know, what does it really mean for an organization to use AI better? What they really mean is two things. First, they want developers to be more productive when they use AI. AI today, you know, it's a big generic term, but when we look at the underlying LLMs that developers would integrate with to provide use cases for their applications, they're either looking at specialized LLMs or more generalistic, you know, type of LLMs. LLMs can be cloud, can be self-hosted, and the ones that are cloud are actually quite expensive. So what we're seeing is at organizations trying to find ways to fine-tune their models on their specific use case and try to host them themselves as an attempt to reduce costs when integrating with AI. So what they want is to make developers more productive when it comes to either using cloud LLMs, self-hosted LLMs, and being able to switch between one and another. They want developers to be more productive because they don't want them to essentially store credentials and you know, figure out a way to extract logs for AI by themselves. So you know, there is a series of cross-cutting concerns or requirements that every team will have to adopt when it comes to AI. How do we store credentials? How do we switch from one LLM to another? How do I train a self-hosted LLM with data that may, be, may have been extracted from a very expensive cloud LLM? How do I orchestrate so I can use the self-hosted LLM first and then fall back on a cloud LLM later? 
how can you do all of these things, extract metrics, L7 metrics around AI? You know, we don't want the developers to build all of that. We want the developers to leverage infrastructure that can do that for them. So they're more productive. They can build their business use case much quicker. And so there is a developer productivity angle. And then there is more of a responsibility angle on the usage of AI. As we all know, AI introduces risks for the organization when it comes to managing customer data, when it comes to managing credentials that the developers may be sharing to AI unwillingly. I, I think just recently there was a, you know, something in the news where you know, an organization leaked their credentials and passwords for their data stores uh, on, um, on an AI LLM and that created a security risk for the org. So basically the organization wants to know that whatever the developers are doing on AI, they're doing it responsibly. They're doing it in such a way that it doesn't hurt the customers and it does not hurt the organization. And in order to know if developers are using AI in a responsible way, the organization itself has to have visibility and observability on what is the AI traffic that's being generated by all the applications that are using AI today or maybe using AI tomorrow. Uh, what is that they're doing with AI? And so we're hearing the platform teams, the central teams, the ones that are supporting the application teams in their AI transformation and any other transformation, we, we are hearing from them wanting to have a, a way to understand what is the AI adoption that's being generated across the board so that they can put placeholders in place or guardrails in place to determine if that AI usage is okay or not okay. And so from, you know, to recap, on one angle, it is about developer productivity. And on the other angle, it is about compliance and governance on how AI is being generated from the organization. Yeah, no, I mean, it makes it makes a lot of sense, it, you know, especially when you when you draw the analogy that, um, you know, so much of of applications have evolved uh, into APIs. Hence, you know, we have this this pattern of, of putting API gateways in front of that remove remove a bunch of things that developers have to worry about, let that be a centralized uh, accountability function, security function, compliance function. Um, and then, you know, obviously there's, you know, that, that analogy extends into thinking about, you know, like an API model or, an, you know, an AP model backed application as, as being similar. Um, how do you, you know, do, without having to get into all the details, but like, how do you start to imagine the API gateway you know, kind of sitting in the middle of of a user trying to interact with a, an AI application. I mean, is it, um, you know, are you kind of restricting or or protecting mostly just the queries and the prompt engineering, or are you looking at it from the perspective of, you know, languages or you know, like what what are the types of things as you're thinking about, you know, this this evolution of API of AI gateways from API gateway. What are the what are the sort of next types of things you're expecting it to uh, to do or, or sort of be part of, uh, you know, protecting the application. To your point, using AI, you know, at the end of the day, it is an API. So like a traditional API management solution or API gateway, we could use uh, an API management solution like Kong or, you know, anybody else really 
in front of AI intended as an API that, you know, without having much L7 intelligence on what the AI fundamentally does. I think that this is not what the organizations we're working with really are asking. They're not looking for a general purpose solution to, you know, manage the raw uh, vanilla API traffic of AI, but they're really looking for a more in-depth solution for managing AI as its own L7 protocol, um, you know, from the organization. So what they're really looking for um, is for a way to really understand, okay, what are the prompts that are being sent by the developers so that we can uh, enact a compliance process uh, with, um, you know, with the prompts that developers are creating and uh, what is that, uh, AI is doing from a um, you know L7 standpoint. So what models are being consumed? What providers are being used? How many requests and response tokens are being used? And so they want to have more insights in the actual L7 traffic that AI generates. And so at Kong, we have built an AI gateway, which really is Kong gateway plus a set of extensions around the AI that give a more deeper understanding on that AI traffic. And they do it by fully understanding what is the AI uh, request that developers are making and the responses that they're retrieving. So this is L7 AI more than, oh, here's an API call, which may or may not be an AI call. And here's a set of things that you can do. Of course, Kong can also do that, but this is not what uh, we've been hearing from our customers or developers they really want to gain that L7 insight on the usage of AI. And so what does that really mean? It means uh, being able to use multiple LLM providers without having to change the application code, for example, being able to switch from one LLM provider to another at the flip of a switch. Or for example, being able to uh, create a list of pre-approved prompts that, you're, that the, cast, the developers can make that has been pre-approved by a whole process that may, they, they may be establishing in the organization in such a way that if that prompt needs to be slightly updated, needs to be changed over time, we don't require the applications to be updated. You know, we can update the prompt on the AI gateway itself without having to ship an update to all the applications that we're using. And then what they also want is the ability to store those AI credentials um, in one centralized place in such a way that developers don't have to send them every time. Being able to then extract these observability metrics from one place without having to instrument the applications themselves. So these are just some of the use cases that uh, you know, we're hearing and we are addressing with uh, you know, Kong's AI gateway when it comes to these AI traffic. Marco, that's... Super fascinating because I really think when I think about this, I, you know, and again, just going back to API gateway origins, you know, it's, it, it really was a, a little bit of a consolidation play, a little bit of an a identification play of, okay, uh, uh, m- most organizations may not necessarily even know where all of their APIs are, or certainly not know the versions of them, or n- not know the, to your you're talking about earlier, the majority of the traffic these days is all API generated. And it makes perfect sense because, you know, the big trend we were seeing as uh, LLMs really became popular was this whole concept of, oh my gosh, as a platform, you know, engineering organization, 
what do we do with it? How do we make sure, you know, our customers are doing the right things with it? How do we make sure uh, the users are not leaking data out um, to some of these other models and organizations? And so this seems like a perfect uh, evolution and a perfect place to kind of uh, consolidate this all into each other. And so I'll ask a, a, another kind of closing question on that of another place I've I've kind of seen merging of traffic, if you will, and patterns is API gateways and, and service mesh traffic. And, you know, certain patterns have emerged and evolved from that. And, and is that what you're seeing going forward um, with AI traffic and AI model interactions and, and with the AI gateway uh, going forward? I see I see the AI gateway as being an internal platform service that IT teams around the world are going to be offering internally to any developer or any team who wants to leverage AI in their applications. I think that uh, in, in your specific example, you know, service mesh, uh, you know, from my point of view, I see service mesh as being on a lower uh, layer of the stack, I see service mesh as being this uh, overlay that sits in front of, uh, in between all microservices that we create and allows for the underlying connectivity among the services to be secure, zero trust, you know, to be observable. Um, and then I see the API gateway as being a service in the service mesh that does very specific functions on a subset of that traffic for APIs that we want to productionize um, either internally or externally. So I see the gateway and the AI gateway itself as being a service in the service mesh simply because every service in a mesh is something that can either make or receive a request and therefore the AI gateway and the API gateway happens to be a service in the service mesh because they receive requests or make requests to somewhere else. I think that um, the AI gateway really caters to a subset of functions of what an API gateway does, and that is really helping the organization have the right technology to establish a playbook for AI adoption that developers can follow. One of the biggest challenges for any organization out there is to create a playbook that makes the developers happy, makes their work as automated as possible, makes them agile and productive. But at the same time, it gives a certain level of confidence and control to the organization that developers are not doing something that they should not be doing. And so being able to strike this balance, this uh, trade-off between developer agility and governance really is uh, something that is always challenging, whether AI is in the picture or not, but specifically, they're now trying to do it for AI. So if developers are sending prompts to LLM providers, well, we want to know what prompts are being asked because the prompts have to go through an approval process. And if there are, uh, if there is customer data that is being leaked inside of these prompts, well, we want to make sure that we have the right controls in place to sanitize the data before it reaches the LLM. So essentially, they're trying to find a playbook to establish AI as a practice in the organization that the teams can use, can follow in order to be able to leverage AI in their applications. I, I don't think it's possible for any organization to responsibly use AI without this practice in place. The organization would be blind because the organization would not know what the developers are sending or doing with AI. And therefore, 
some organizations are even going to the extreme ends of this, which is, oh, we're not going to leverage AI or we're going to be banning AI until we figure out what's the right way to do it. So I, I think we should not ban AI, but we should think about ways we can make our developers productive with AI while at the same time not hurting the organization or the customers that the organization is serving. And so being able to create that playbook can be a sub-function of a broader API management strategy, which is why at Kong, the AI gateway, it is essentially baked into the same runtime that serves the API management capabilities, but it's an extension to that runtime because it provides very deep L7 AI capabilities on top of that AI traffic instead of just seeing it as vanilla API traffic, it provides an actual L7 AI capabilities on top of it, which I think is where the real innovation is. So that, first of all, thank you, Marco. That's super clear because when I talk to AI customers, I think you really hit the nail on the head there when you're talking about this whole idea of um, creating a practice um, and creating standardization around all of it. Uh, a lot of organizations are struggling for various reasons. Uh, there's a lot of offerings out there. Uh, there's a lot of offerings out there and those offerings are changing. Uh, the, the rate of velocity of the AI industry is just amazing right now. And so this being able to provide a certain level of rationalization and standardization, I think is going to be fantastic. And so I'll kind of close it out with with Marco. I know you have been, we've been talking about AI gateways, but I know Kong has or or will have AI gateway coming out soon. Do you want to mention that real quickly and, and tell everyone a little bit about that? Well, yes. Uh, besides being very interested on AI, like everybody else, you know, in, in the field, um, part of that interest, it is because we're working with customers in pretty much every vertical, you know, financial retail, travel, and so on and so forth, all of them is looking into AI as a way to create more compelling uh, customer experiences or you know, more compelling digital use cases for their customers. And so obviously, when we heard that many of our customers were re-implementing essentially what an AI gateway was, um, you know, we decided to collect these requirements. And based on that, create an offering for AI Gateway that we're shipping this week, uh, the week of uh, February 12, and, uh, you know, make that available open source, not only to our customers, but to the entire world. And that AI Gateway is going to be built on top of Kong Gateway. Therefore, anybody who updates their Kong Gateway version to Kong Gateway 3.6, which is the new version of Kong Gateway we're shipping this week, they will be able to leverage AI Gateway as part of the new capabilities that we're shipping in this new version. And this is open source. Uh, it supports out of the box um, six or seven different LLM providers that are both cloud hosted and self-hosted. And at the flip of a switch, developers can build on Kong Gateway to consume any LLM provider, change from one to another without having to change their code in their applications. You know, they have uh, advanced prompt engineer engineering plugins that are available to them for firewalling the prompts, for creating templates for those prompts. You know, there is a whole set of capabilities that we're shipping. It's six plugins, as a matter of fact, that we are uh, making part of the Kong Gateway, this new Kong Gateway version. And essentially, the developers then can choose if they want to use Kong Gateway like they've always done as an API management solution, 
or if they, or if they, if they want Kong Gateway to also be this um, AI gateway by installing the right plugins, uh, an AI gateway to manage and enhance their AI traffic. Anyways, this is uh, something that's quite exciting, uh, at least from, uh, from my point of view. And the most exciting part, I would say, is that we're hearing customers that we're talking to that were design partners with us of this capability, all of them, they were starting to build their own AI gateway and they stopped once they heard that Kong will have it. And so we have been working with them. It's a set of a select customers we'll be working with to essentially create and draft the specs for this first version of AI gateway. And there's going to be new versions of AI gateway coming out in the next few months. So this is the first one. And I'm quite excited to see what the response is going to be. Yeah, I'm really excited for this, Marco. And for everyone out there, I mean, it just it makes perfect sense because it is just a, as we mentioned earlier, a natural evolution of APIs um, to really support this as an existing uh, both workload and, as well as a an area of to establish a practice in an organization going forward. So that's fantastic. Thank you. So with that, I think we'll close out there. I think that's a really good wrap of uh, everything we've talked about today. So on behalf of Marco and Brian and myself, uh, thank you everyone for listening this week. And of course, um, if you're still listening and and you're able to leave a review wherever you get your podcast, please, uh, we would appreciate a review and also continue to download that and continue to tell a friend as well. And so I'm going to wrap it up for this week and we will talk to everyone next week thank you for listening to the cloudcast please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows show notes videos and everything social media 